Judges chapter number 1. Judges chapter number 1, where we'll be tonight. I do thank you. Brother Nick, thank you for filling in last Sunday night. I appreciate that on such short notice. I, I sure appreciate that we have men in our church that just uh, at any moment you can call them and say, hey, I need you to jump in here, and they're willing to do it. And they're studied enough to do it. And I, pray, I praise the Lord for that. And I sure appreciate you guys uh, doing that and you being willing to do that. And uh, what a blessing that was. I've been looking forward to uh, getting uh, going. We went through the book of Joshua. And uh, like I said, the book of Joshua has become one of my favorite books in all the Bible. I sure love the book of Joshua. But uh, as I'm going through the book of Judges, it's uh, sure making me, uh, making me have to do a check in and of myself. Uh, but I'm liking the book of Judges too. And uh, you say, why? Because it's God's word and it's all good. From Genesis to Revelation, it's all good. And anything you're studying ought to become your favorite part of the Bible uh, because we're applying it to our lives. Judges, chapter number one. I would invite you to stand with me quickly as we read a couple verses in Judges, chapter number one. Look at verse number 21. The Bible says, and the, children of Israel, and the children of Benjamin did not drive out the Jebusites that inhabited Jerusalem. But the Jebusites dwell with the children of Benjamin in Jerusalem unto this day. And the house of Joseph, they also went up against Bethel, and the Lord was with them. And the house of Joseph sent to decry Bethel, now the name of the city before was Luz. And the spies saw a man come forth out of the city, and they said unto him, Show us, we pray thee. The entrance into the city, and we will show thee mercy. And when they had showed them the entrance into the city, they smote the city with the edge of the sword, but they let go the man and all his family. And the man went into the land of the Hittites and built a city and called the name thereof Luz, which is the name thereof unto this day. Neither did Manasseh drive out the inhabitants of uh, Bethshean and her towns, nor uh, Tanak and her towns, nor the inhabitants of Dor and her towns, nor the inhabitants of Ibliam and her towns, nor the inhabitants of Megiddo and her towns, but the Canaanites would dwell in that land. Now, there's a problem that we're seeing here. You remember what God's, God's command to the nation of Israel was? To utterly destroy them, to drive out the enemies of God. It's what he told them to do. Now, Joshua had been one of, he had been their leader. He had been with them through Jericho and all these things, and, and they had fought many battles together. But the, the Bible says in Judges 1, Now after the death of Joshua, it came to pass that the children of Israel asked the Lord, saying, Who shall go up against the Canaanites first and fight against them? They had a, a good uh, leader, so now he's gone. And guess what? They were saying, Lord, who do we go against now? What, what's going on? Their leader's gone. But the fact is, they trusted more in Joshua than they did in the Lord. They relied on Joshua's walk with God rather than their own walk with God. And now here later on in the passage it says in verse 21, they did not drive them out. In 27, neither did Manasseh drive out the inhabitants of Bethshemus and her towns. And on and on. In verse 29, neither did Ephraim drive out the Canaanites that dwell in Gezer, but the Canaanites dwell in them. And then verse 30, neither did Zebulun drive out the inhabitants of Kitron and the inhabitants uh, of uh, Nahath. Uh, Nahathol and the, and the Canaanites dwelt among them and became tributaries. Neither did Asher drive out the inhabitants. You see what they're, the, the pattern here? Disobedience. That's disobedience from the nation of Israel. Now I'm going to preach a message to you tonight out of Judges chapter no, number 1 called the disruption and the destruction of disobedience. 
the disruption and the destruction of disobedience. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. Thank you for the day that you've given to us. Thank you for the opportunity we have to be here tonight. Thank you for the word of God and how you change our hearts and our minds through it. Thank you for uh, showing us these accounts in Scripture, Lord, that we can uh, look at and learn from. And Lord, may we apply the Word of God to our heart. Lord, we're, we're glad that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. And Lord, I pray that we'll, we'll learn from the profitable Word of God tonight. We'll apply it to our hearts and to our minds. Lord, thank you so much for Brenda getting saved this morning. Lord, thank you for your word going out and uh, convicting our hearts and showing us our need to do the right thing. And uh, Lord, I just pray that as we learn lessons from the nation of Israel, Lord, may we learn to be obedient to what you tell us to do. Lord, we love you and thank you for all that you've done. If there's one here tonight that's holding back anything, Lord, I pray they'll just be obedient to you and submit their whole heart completely, 100% to you. And Lord, if there's somebody that's not saved, I pray they'll get saved. And Lord, we'll give you the praise and glory for it in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. Thank you for standing. The disruption and the destructiveness of disobedience. I don't think that we really comprehend the importance that obedience is in the matter of life. I don't think we really comprehend how important obedience is in all matters of life in which you and I live. We are very dependent. Uh, on the obedience of others in our life. Uh, I know I'm very dependent on the obedience of others, uh, but I sometimes fail to realize how much I depend on the obedience of others. I was thinking this week as I drive down the road, there's a speed limit sign and there's some lines on the road that are showing people the direction they're supposed to go on the road and the speed they're supposed to go on the road. And I'm glad and I'm relying on the obedience of the people in the other lane or even the people behind me or in front of me to abide by the rules, to abide by the law. We all have that uh, to obey those traffic laws. Listen, if we don't obey those traffic laws, people can be killed or even injured. Um, If we uh, go to a restaurant, we are depending on the chef and his obedience to the ingredients that are supposed to go into our food. Because if he doesn't put the right stuff in, we could get sick, couldn't we? Uh, We could get food poison and things like that. So we need to make sure that uh, we're depending on that. Listen, if a soldier doesn't obey his commander, not only does it affect him, but it affects his comrades around him, his fellow soldiers. Oh, it's great to see you all. Allens are here. Praise the Lord. What a blessing. Brother Scott's home. That's, uh, That's an encouragement. Uh, to see them, see them here at church, what a blessing that is. But we're dependent upon the soldiers and upon them being obedient to their commanders and following the orders that they've been given. Um, if they were told to uh, go and take this hill and I want you to uh, do whatever you've got to do to overtake this hill and they think, ah, I just don't feel like doing that today. There's some problems, okay? And if they don't do what they're supposed to do, if they don't obey the training that they've been given, their comrades could die. Fellow soldiers could lose their life. Obedience is very important, and disobedience is very destructive and disruptive to our lives. If somebody is disobedient to the laws that are around, it causes chaos and problems, not just to the people that are being disobedient, to other people around them. Why? Because your sinful actions do affect those around you. They do affect those around you. I hear people say oftentimes, well, it's my life, it doesn't hurt anybody but me. That's one of the biggest lies Satan could ever tell you. Disobedience doesn't just affect your life. 
It affects everybody that you're in contact with. And uh, as we go through uh, the Bible and we look at Judges and uh, all the way even through the Bible, we can start at the very beginning and we're going to look at what the disruption and the destructiveness of disobedience to God does. Let's look back at Genesis chapter number 3. Genesis chapter number 3. We read some verses to you how they did not um, follow the Lord and what he told them to do in driving out people or driving out the enemies of God and all throughout this, they started off right, but over time they began to disobey God and didn't do the things that God wanted them to do. And uh, they allowed their enemies, they began to live uh, amongst the enemies of God and things in the book of Judges. But in Genesis chapter number 3, I want you to look at verse number 11. This is God speaking to them. He said, and he said, and he said who told thee that thou wast naked? Hast thou eaten of the tree whereof I've commanded thee that thou shouldest not eat? So God's asking Adam, he said, hey, who told you you were naked? Did you do something that I told you you weren't supposed to do? Now, wait a second. God was not asking a question he did not know the answer to. Okay, God already knew the answer to it. What God was doing in this passage was he was giving Adam an opportunity to fess up. To say, yes, I disobeyed you. He's given him opportunity to admit his mistake and talk. But Adam and Eve uh, brought sin upon the human race because of their disobedience. So what did obedience, or disobedience produce? It produced sin. Their disobedience was sin. And because of their one disobedient act, sin was passed upon all men for that all have sinned. So don't say that your actions only affect you. Adam and Eve, their actions, or Adam's actions, affected the sins of the whole world, didn't it? Why? Because by his disobedience to God, now the wrath of God is poured out upon humanity. Disobedience causes uh, disruption, doesn't it, in our life? See, we were created in the image of God. We were created to, uh, wor to worship God and to fellowship with God and bring pleasure to God. And God enjoyed that time of fellowship with Adam and Eve and walking with them in the cool of the garden and all of those things. And now uh, here comes old uh, Satan and Satan deceives Eve and Eve gives to her husband. And uh, when he gives uh, of that fruit or when she gives of that fruit to him and he takes a bite of it, I believe immediately he understood what he did. I believe he understood what he was going to do when he went to bite it, but he chose Eve over God. And when he bit into that, I think he realized at that point in time there was a severing of a relationship between him and the Lord. That's why when he heard the voice of God speaking to him in the garden, he hid himself. He was trying to hide from the presence of God. Why? Because he was tainted with sin. And that's what disobedience did. It caused sin upon all humanity. In Judges chapter 19, you don't have to turn there for sake of time, but in verse number 26, this is where uh, after God had uh, sent Abraham to get Lot out of Sodom and Gomorrah, he says, I'm going to destroy the city. I'm going to uh, rain down fire from heaven, just wipe it out. And uh, he began to talk to him and say, Lord, please, for 10, will you spare the city? Got him all the way down to 10. And he said, yea, for 10, I'll do it. Well, Lot didn't even have enough spiritual character in and of himself to have his family on board with him. And now they're leaving the city and they're leaving. What was the, the, the command that was told as they left the city? Don't look back at it. And Lot's wife, as they're leaving, now listen, I will paint a picture for you here. Lot's wife, we, we criticize her a lot and she shouldn't have looked back. But I want you to understand, she's leaving her kids. She's leaving a lot of things behind. But had Lot been the example he was supposed to be to his family, they wouldn't have even ended up in Sodom in the first place. 
because they, they disobeyed God and heading towards the world and not away from the world. But that's a side note for now. But we saw sin came from it. Then his wife's turned into a pillar of salt because of disobedience. I mean, she looks back and all of a sudden, poof, she becomes a pillar of salt. And listen, as we're, could you imagine being Lot? Leaving the city, Brother Ron, and you're leaving, all of a sudden you didn't even know your wife turned around. Because if you turned around to see your wife, you'd have turned into salt as well. You finally get where you're going and think, hey, where's my wife at? Oh, by the way, she turned into salt way back there. Why? Because she looked back at the sin that she left. She looked back at the wickedness that she left. See, disobedience causes some disruption, doesn't it, and destructiveness. In Leviticus chapter number 10, verse 1 and 2, Nadab and Abihu are destroyed by, by fire for offering a strange offering to the Lord. Listen, they obeyed God's word. Or they disobeyed God's word. And in their disobedience, God had to rain down fire. There was a scorching from God because of their disobedience. See, obedience to Scripture is vital. If we do not obey what God tells us to do, then God's going to do with us what we do with His word. You say, well, how do I know what God's going to do with me? I heard this uh, statement a long time ago, is that what you do with the Bible will determine what God will do with you. The fact of the matter is, if God paid as much attention to you as you do His word, how much attention will God pay to you? If you paid uh, as much, if you spent as much time in prayer and Bible reading as you should, then guess what? We would have sweet fellowship and communion with God. But oftentimes there's, uh, there's problems that come. Why? Because of our disobedience to the Lord. He tells us to pray without ceasing. Do we pray? He tells us to go on the highways and hedges and compel them to come in. Do we obey? He tells us to give and it shall be given. Do we obey? He tells us to live holy, righteously, and godly in this present world. Do we obey? See, disobedience is a big part of our life, isn't it? Even as a child of God, even as one who comes to the house of God, and we say, hey, preacher, I'm here Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, myself included, we all struggle with disobedience. And we need to learn how to get a hold of this and just to obey God when he tells us what to do. So we saw sin in Genesis 3. We saw Lot's wife turn to salt in Genesis 19. We saw the scorching in Leviticus chapter 10. In Numbers chapter number 20, we see uh, how God stopped them from going into the pro- stopped Moses from going into the promised land. You remember what happened uh, because Moses smote the rock instead of speaking to the rock to get water? God told him, just speak to the rock the second time. He smote it the first time, rock came, uh, water came forth. Then he says, just speak to the rock, Will. And then the second time, he smote it again. Now, water still came forth. God still provided for the people. But because of his disobedience, Moses was denied access into the promised land. See, God expected Moses to obey his command, not on Moses' terms, but on God's terms. He said, listen, Moses, you don't obey the way you want to obey, that's not obedience. Obedience is doing exactly what I say, when I say, and how I say it. We, we try to teach our kids uh, growing up that they're to obey all the way, right away, and in a happy way. That's obedience. Because, by the way, church, rebellious obedience is disobedience. Doing something with the wrong heart is disobedience. When God tells you to, to do something and you do it with a stomping of your foot, or a bad spirit or a bad attitude. Remember the Bible says the man thinketh in his heart so is he. We have to do things and obey God immediately the way God wants us to do it. 
Christ demonstrated the importance of obedience even in his own life as a child. You think, here's God in the flesh growing up in the house of Joseph and Mary. Jesus, in and of his own ability, being God in the flesh, who knew no sin. You think Mary and Joseph made some mistakes in their parenting? Sure they did. But here's Jesus living in their home, submitting to the authority that's over him, even though he had more knowledge in his pinky than they had in their whole body. He still submitted and did what he was supposed to do. See, he even showed us what it's like to obey them that have the rule over you. See, Jesus was the ruler of all. He's God in the flesh. But when Joseph said, hey, Jesus, I want you to come out here and help me, guess what he did? He went out and helped him. He said, hey, if I, if I need help in my carpenter shop, guess who helped him? Jesus did. Why? Because that was the man that was helping raise Jesus. By the way, you notice I did not say that Joseph was Jesus' father. Because he's not. God is Jesus' father. Now, Joseph had the privilege of helping to raise him. But Jesus even demonstrated, Christ even demonstrated the importance of obedience in his own life. Listen, it's a great thing for us to learn how to obey and whom to obey and when to obey. As parents, we need to teach our kids to obey. We need to teach them to obey. Why? The Bible tells us as parents to train them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. See, the Bible tells us as parents to train them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Brother Ron, you know, it did not say teach them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. You know what teaching is? It's giving information. You know what training is? It's applying the information that you're getting. You need to train them in obedience. When I say stop, you stop. See, we had this rule with our kids. If they were running out towards a ball and I said stop, I don't want to say stop. Hey, stop. Hey, stop. 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 And then finally when they pick up the ball, they stop. That's not obedience. When we say stop, here's what we explain to them is they could be running towards the road and see a, we could see a truck coming. And if they're running towards that road to get the ball, they're not paying attention to anything but the ball. And if we say stop and they don't stop, there's destruction. There's problems that come. There's consequences for disobedience. What could that be? Death. It could be hurt. Things like that that could come. We need to teach them to obey. Why should we teach them, parents, to obey us? Because we want to walk around and say, hey, my kids are under subjection. No, that's not why. We want to teach them to obey us so that they learn how to obey God. We want to train them for that. You know why I train them, Brother Nick, to obey immediately when we talk? Because I want them to learn to obey God immediately when he speaks. If they can learn to obey the authority over them, then they're going to learn to obey God when God says something to them. Don't believe me? Try it. You know why most of us don't teach obedience to our kids? Because we're not obedient to God. Or we try to teach obedience to kids, and they don't want to have any of it because they see we're not obedient to God. We need to teach them. Teaching obedience is not going to hurt them. It's going to help them. They need to learn to obey. The time to teach obedience and authority is in the playpen. Not when they reach the state pen. Understand, if you do it in the playpen, they may not get to the state pen. Train them up when they're young. And when they're old, they'll not depart from it. 
The fact is we need to learn to teach them obedience now. Why? Because we don't want to see them end up with a ruined life. We don't want to, there's a bigger picture in what we're trying to teach you. Young people, listen up. The reason we're trying to teach you obedience now is because we don't want you 20 years from now to end up with a life of hurt and heartache. If you'll learn to obey right now, it'll help you later in life. We had a rule in our home that it wasn't just us that our children needed to obey. It was anybody who was in authority over them. When they spoke, you're to listen. Unless it's contrary to what mom and dad told you to do, you need to obey them. All the way, right away, and in a happy way. Well, preacher, you're just old-fashioned and cranky. You just try to get your kids to uh, be under the thumb of authority. By the way, a child left to himself bringing this mother to shame. They need to have authority. You know why? They're kids. You know why God gave them parents? To train them and what they're supposed to do. You know why we have so much chaos and pandemonium today? You know why we have so much disruptive and destructive behaviors? Because they haven't learned to obey. They haven't learned to obey. We have a generation that thinks, well, I don't have to listen. I can do what I want to do. And we wonder why when God speaks, they don't come and they don't answer. See, the nation of Israel did not do what God told them to do. Now Joshua's going off the scene. And by the way, young people, your parents aren't going to be around all the time to help you to do right. Church, pastors aren't going to be around all the time to help you do right. Deacons aren't going to be around all the time to help you do right. Sunday school teachers aren't going to be around to help you do right. Spouses aren't going to be around to help you to do right. Sometimes it's just you and the circumstance. Just you, God, and the decision. And you have to choose to obey. You have to choose to do right. The nation of Israel was faced with that on multiple occasions. And I'm sad to say that a lot of times they didn't end up doing the right thing. But before we frown on the nation of Israel, we need to take a good long look into the mirror and see, guess what? We've been disobedient to God. We've been disobedient to God. So God stopped them from going in the promised land. In Joshua chapter number 7, Achan, when he disobeyed the orders to not take the Babylonian garment or touch anything when they go into Jericho, there was a sentence of death for his family. Not just for his family, but there was a sentence of death for his fellow comrades. Remember after they defeated Jericho and now they're going up against the little, little country of Ai? Oh, we don't need to send the whole army up there. Let's just send a few of us up there and we'll... Surely wiped them off the face of the earth. But they ran in fear against Ai that day. Why? Because God wasn't with them. Why? Because of disobedience. There was a death sentence because of it. See this area of disobedience when he took of the garment in Jericho caused not only his friends to die, caused not only his family to die, but it caused his own flesh to even die. Disobedience will take you farther than you ever want to go. What else does disobedience bring? Saul's sovereign reign was terminated because disobedience. You say, what do you mean? Here was king, Saul, anointed over the nation of Israel to lead God's people. The Bible says that Saul was a humble man when he was anointed king. Saul didn't think he was worthy of being king, but he's anointed to be king. And over time, he allowed his position to cause something inside of him. That, hey, I'm king. And God sends the preacher, Samuel, 
to give the nation of Israel and King Saul a command. He says, I want you to utterly destroy the Amalekites. Utterly destroy them means wipe them off the face of the ground as if they never existed. That's what utterly destroy means. That means that everything that they have, all of their possessions, all of their livestock, their king, all of them need to be gone. Done. But here they come back in 1 Samuel 13. And Samuel appears to Saul and Saul says this, I've obeyed the voice of the Lord. And I've gone the way that the Lord sent me. Just like, you know, a lot of us, we walk into church and say, well, I've, I've been obeying God all week. I've obeyed the voice of the Lord. I've done what God said for me to do. And the preacher says, really, what meaneth then the bleeding of the sheep in mine ear and the lowing of the oxen that I hear? If you really obeyed the voice of the Lord, how come I hear oxen and sheep? Why is Agag with you? Why do you have the king of the Amalekites standing there with you if you really obeyed the voice of the Lord? And King Saul did what every one of us do. It was the people. The people uh, wanted to send a sacrifice to the Lord and they, they, they pressed upon me and I was fearful of the people. So we spared Agag and uh, we had to bring that back and we were going to uh, bring sacrifices and offerings unto the Lord. And he says, for to obey is better than sacrifice. Because thou hast rejected the voice of the Lord, God has also rejected thee from being king. You know what he said? Saul, your disobedience just cost you your kingdom. And we know it just went on a downhill spiral from there in King Saul's life. You know what? I believe God would have been merciful. I believe God would have been gracious to King Saul. Had King Saul said, you know what? You're right. You're right. I did wrong. I disobeyed God. God, please forgive me. And he would have finished the job that God told him to do. I believe God would have had mercy. But you know what King Saul did? He said, oh, I've done wrong, but do me no harm. Oh, I'm sorry I got caught. That's his attitude. It wasn't a repentant spirit. It was a I'm sorry I got caught kind of spirit. And he lost his reign. It was terminated. Then there was a stressful circumstance in Jonah's life because of disobedience. In Jonah chapter 1 verse 3, Jonah spent three days in the belly of a whale when we read about what God had told him to do. Remember he said, I have a job for you to do. What was that job? Go to Nineveh and preach unto the people. Tell them their end's coming. They better repent. Get right. He says, I'm out of here. I'm going to Tarshish. I got other things to do. And because of his disobedience, Jonah had to spend three days in the belly of a whale. That's a pretty stressful situation, isn't it? Could you imagine? First off, You guys already know what I feel about being in the ocean, okay? Being shark bait at any moment just doesn't thrill me at all. People say, would you rather be in the woods with a grizzly bear? Absolutely, because I'm on the ground and I'd have a gun, praise the Lord. But being in an ocean like a bobber just doesn't, doesn't appeal to me. But Jonah tells these guys, throw me overboard. You already know the guy's lost his marbles. First off, he disobeyed the Lord. Now he's saying, throw me into the water where there's whales. Okay? There's big fish that can eat me whole. Throw me into the water. (laughs) I don't think so. But see how far disobedience got him? They throw him into the water, and God had a stressful situation for him. 
A whale swallows him. He's in there for three days and three nights. And then he finally repents. Lord, I'm sorry. And here comes the whale and just regurgitates him on dry land. Tell you what, I would be grateful for the, the sand at that point. And you would think that Jonah would learn. But Jonah still has a bitter spirit, doesn't he? He goes into Nineveh and he preaches and the word of God does what the word of God does and people repent because the word of God changes people. Then Jonah goes and pouts under a tree till he dies. I think, my goodness, why? All because of disobedience. All because of disobedience. See, there's principles in the Bible of obedience and disobedience. And everywhere we read in Scripture, there's disobedience and there's obedience. And there's never good things that come from disobedience except destruction and confusion. If we go back to Judges chapter number 1, I'm going to start reading some of this and I want to I kind of did all that to show you all the way back from the very beginning is disobedience to God and God's plan that causes problems. Judges chapter 1 said, Now after the death of Joshua, it came to pass that the children of Israel asked the Lord, saying, Who shall go up for us against the Canaanites first to fight against them? And the Lord said, Judah shall go up. Behold, I have delivered the land into his hand. And Judah said unto Simeon his brother, Come up with me into my lot, that we may fight against the Canaanites, and I likewise will go with thee into thy lot. So Simeon went with him. And Judah went up, and the Lord delivered the Canaanites and the Perizzites into their hand, and they slew them in Bezek, 10,000 men. And they found uh, Adonai Bezek in Bezek, and they fought against him, and they slew the Canaanites and the Perizzites. And Adonai Bezek fled, and they pursued after him, and caught him, and cut off his thumbs and his great toes, and Adonai Bezek said, Three score and ten kings, uh, having their, th- their thumbs and their great toes cut off, gathered their meat under, the, under my tables, as I have done, so God hath requited to me. And they brought him to Jerusalem, and there he died. By the way, that's a good lesson to know, that you reap what you sow. He even understood this. What I did in the past, God's bringing it back to me. Verse 8, Now the children of Judah had fought against Jerusalem, And had taken it and smitten it with the edge of the sword and set the city on fire. And afterward the children of Judah went down to fight against the Canaanites that dwelt in the mountain and in the south and in the valley. And Judah went against the Canaanites that dwelt in Hebron. Now the name of Hebron before was Kirjathbara. And they slew uh, Sesheh and uh, Ahaman and uh, Talmai. And from thence he went against the inhabitants against Deber. And the name of Deber before was uh, Kirjathesephir. And Caleb said, He that smiteth Kirjath Sefer and taketh it, to him I will give Achish my daughter to wife. And Othniel, the son of Canaz, Caleb's younger brother, took it, and he gave him Achish's daughter to wife. And it came to pass that when she came to him, that she moved him to ask of her father a field. And she lighted off her ass, and Caleb said to her, What wilt thou? And, he said unto, uh, and she said unto him, Give me a blessing. For thou hast uh, given me the south land, give me also the springs of water. 
And Caleb gave to her the upper springs and the nether springs. And the children of, uh, and the children of the Canaanite, Moses' father-in-law, went up out of the city of palm trees with the children of Judah into the wilderness of Judah, which lies in the south of Arad, and went and dwelt among the people. And Judah went with Simeon, his brother, and slew the Canaanites and the inhabitants of Zephyr, and utterly destroyed it. And the name of the city was called Horam. Also Judah took Gaza with the coast thereof, and Ashkelon with the coast thereof, and Ekron with the coast thereof. And the Lord was with Judah, and he drove out the inhabitants of the mountains, but could not drive out the inhabitants of the valley, because they had chariots of iron. And they gave Hebron unto Caleb, as Moses said, and he expelled thence the three sons of Anak. And the children of Benjamin, look what it says now. All this sounds good. They're doing what the Lord had said. They're fighting against the enemy. God's delivering them. They're doing all this now. We're verse 21. And the children of Benjamin did not drive out the Jebusites that inhabited Jerusalem. But the Jebusites dwell with the children of Benjamin in Jerusalem unto this day. Huh. Brother Ron, you know what they did? Instead of running out the enemy of God, they lived with the enemy of God. Instead of getting rid of the enemy of God, they said, hey, let's be neighbors. Let's be neighbors one with another. And in verse 22, in the house of Joseph, they also went up against Bethel, and the Lord was with them. And the house of Joseph sent to decry Bethel. Now the name of the city before was us. And the spies saw a man come forth out of the city and said unto him, Show us, we pray thee, the entrance of the city. And we will show thee mercy. And when they had showed them the entrance into the city, they smote the city with the edge of the sword. But they let the man go and all his family. And the man went into the land of the Hittites and built a city and called the name thereof Luz, and which is the name thereof unto this day. Neither did Manasseh drive out the inhabitants of Bethshean and her towns, nor uh, Tanek and her towns, nor the inhabitants of Dor and her towns, nor the inhabitants of Ibliam and her towns, nor the inhabitants of Megiddo and her towns, but the Canaanites would dwell in the land. And it came to pass when Israel was strong that they put the Canaanites to tribute and did not utterly drive them out. Neither did Ephraim drive out the Canaanites that dwell in Gezer, but the Canaanites dwelt in Gezer among them. Neither did Zebulun drive out the inhabitants of Kitron, nor the inhabitants of Neholo, but the Canaanites dwelt among them and became tributaries. Neither did Asher drive out the inhabitants of Echo, uh, uh, nor the inhabitants of Zidon, nor Alab, nor Akzib, nor Helba, nor Aphek, nor Rahab, but the Asherites dwelt among the Canaanites and the inhabitants of the land, for they did not drive them out. I'm, I'm reading through all of this to show you something here, that God told them to get rid of them, to drive them out, that he was going to be there, and they didn't do it. They lived amongst them. They wanted to be part of them. They said, you know what, we're going to make tributaries here. We're going to dwell together with you, and we're going to spare some of you, and we're going to allow this. Listen, God doesn't want you to mix your plans in with his plans. God wants you to just obey him completely all the way. When God says, hey, I want you to get rid of this out of your life, you don't get rid of 90% of it and say, God, I'm going to keep this 10. God, I'm going to make this little tributary for myself, and I'm going to keep this little bit of it in here, but the rest of it I'm going to get rid of. No, God doesn't want you to dwell with the world, and he doesn't want the world to dwell in his people. 
You say, what do you mean? We have to live amongst the world. Bible tells us be in the world, but not of the world. What's that mean? That means we live amongst ungodly people. We live in a world that doesn't want to serve God, that doesn't love God. But we're to be a light to the world. We're not to develop their philosophies. We're not to act the way they act, do what they do. Why? We're to obey God completely. We're to obey Him all the way. There's some principles of obedience that I want to share with you here tonight. Look at Deuteronomy chapter number 26. Deuteronomy 26. We see disobedience leads us to destruction. Causes chaos in our life. But Deuteronomy chapter number 26. I'm going to show you the decree of obedience. Look at verse number 16. Say, this day the Lord thy God hath what? Commanded thee. To do these statutes and judgments. Thou shalt therefore keep and do them with all thine heart and with all thy soul. See, this is what God is telling us in the book of Deuteronomy here. Obey. All the way. With all your heart. With all your soul. Obey what I tell you to do. He said, thou shalt therefore keep and do them with all thine heart and with all thy soul. You understand God expects wholehearted obedience from his people. And in this decree of obedience, there is a demand of obedience for success. What is that? Joshua 1.8. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. If you want to prosper and have success, you need to obey God's word. Obedience brings blessings. Obedience brings blessings. Obedience is the most important thing for you to do for the Lord. Remember he said, for to obey is better than sacrifice. To obey God. And you know why it's, it's hard for us to obey God a lot of times? We don't have faith in God, to, that God can do what he says he can do. And without faith, it's impossible to do what? To please God. And so we don't obey because we have a lack of faith, and our lack of faith leads to disobedience. Listen, let me ask you a question. Is God weakened in 2019? Is he still as strong as he's ever been? Sure he is. The same God that... Rained down fire when Elijah prayed fire down from heaven and consumed the altar and showed the prophets of Baal that he was the true God. The same God that was with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in a fiery furnace. The same God that was with Daniel in a lion's den. The same God that went with David when he fought against a giant. The same God that even was with Samson at the end, which we're going to talk about later on in the book of Judges, that actually uh, allowed him to overcome the enemy of God and gave him strength beyond even human comprehension. That same God is still with us today. And he demands obedience, wholehearted obedience. And the reason God says it's got to be wholehearted obedience because half-hearted obedience is not obedience. Only wholehearted obedience. Let me show you something here in 1 Samuel chapter 15. In verse number 22. Take your Bibles there to 1 Samuel chapter 15. 
the decree of obedience. He says, Thou shalt therefore keep and do them with all thine heart and with all thy soul. It's a key for success in my life and your life. But in 1 Samuel, chapter number 15, and verse number 22, 1 Samuel 15, verse number 22, look what it says. And Samuel said, Hath the Lord a great delight in burnt offerings and sacrificing, as is in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to hearken than the fat of rams. He said, you think God has more delight in your burnt offering and your sacrifices out of disobedience than he does out of you just obeying him? Wrong, Saul. God says for to obey is better than sacrifice. See, there's a dominion of obedience in our life. Obedience is the most important thing to the Lord. He wants you to obey. He says obedience is the very best way to show that you believe. See, we've seen that song with the kids. Obedience is the very best way to show that you believe. Doing exactly what the Lord commands. Doing it happily. Action is the key. Do it immediately. Joy you will receive. Obedience is the very best way to what? Show that you believe. You, wanna, you say you believe God? Obey God. Do what God tells you to do. And then we sing O-B-E-D-I-E-N-C-E. Obedience is the very best way to show that you believe. I wonder, are we obeying him? Are we doing what he tells us to do? But then there's a direction that obedience gives. Look at Acts chapter number 5. Acts chapter number 5. Acts chapter number 5 and verse number 29. Then Peter and the other apostles answered and said, We ought to obey God rather than men. We ought to obey God rather than men. See, they were told not to teach in God's name. They were told not to do that. And you know what they said? You know what? God tells us something about obedience. He gives us some things about obedience, some direction about our obedience is that we need to obey God rather than men. Now listen, I'm not telling you to disobey the speed limit because you say, well, God never said in his word that I'm to have the speed limit. Yeah, he said, render unto Caesar that which is Caesar, unto God that which is God's, okay? There's a law and a government in the land that we ought to obey. But when the word of God contradicts the laws of the land, we obey God rather than man. When they tell us we can't go soul winning, guess what we do? We go soul winning. When they say we can't read our Bible, guess what we do? We read our Bible. When they say we can't pray, guess what we do? We pray. When they say we can't uh, come together and, and worship God freely the way we, we still come together and worship God. Why? Because he tells us to do those things. God commands us to do it and we obey God rather than men. But then there's some delights in obedience. See, there's destruction and disobedience, but there's delight in obedience. James chapter 1. <coughs> James chapter 1.
James chapter number 1 and verse number 25. The Bible says, But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful here, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. See, God promises a blessing for those who obey his word. When he says, hey, if we'll do the work, we, we, we hear it, we hear what God says, and we, we obey what God says, whoso that looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, and being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work. You know what he's basically saying? If you're getting in my book, you're reading it, and you're applying it to your life, there's blessings that follow. There's blessings that follow. Being obedient immediately, all the way, right away, in a happy way. That's what God demands for his people. But see, the nation of Israel didn't drive out the land. And as you see from chapter 2 on, when we begin to read through the book of Judges, you'll find out that they were in bondage. They were in bondage. And anytime you disobey God, you're in bondage to sin. And we're going to read about those over the next few weeks on Sunday night and different things as we're going through on what disobedience brought to the land through the book of Judges. And then God would raise up a deliverer. And then they disobey. And God would raise up a deliverer, and they would disobey. And God would raise up a deliverer, and they would disobey. What am I trying to get at, churches? You need to be able to stand on your own spiritual feet. You don't need to wait for the preacher to do what's right. You need to do right because God says it's right to do. See, they had to have somebody showing them what to do all the time. They had to have somebody leading them. When Joshua was there in front of them, guess what? They were following along, weren't they? But when Joshua's gone, now they're supposed to drive out the land. Man, Caleb did what he was supposed to do, killed those giants, got Hebron. But the rest, they wouldn't drive out the Canaanites. They wouldn't drive out the rest. They, they agreed to dwell with them in the land. They said, you know what, these enemies, I don't want to fight this battle anymore. I'm just going to rub shoulders with the enemies of God. Listen, that's not what God's church needs to do. It's not what God's people need to do. We're in a battle. We're in a war. You know what that war is? It's against the world the flesh and the devil and we are in a battle against satan who wants to destroy and devour our lives and he does a good job but the fact is we give him a lot more credit because most of the problem is ourself most of the problems ourself is disobedience to the command of god you say preacher i'm not disobeying god's god's law really do you study the bible do you study it? I'm asking. You don't have to answer out loud. I want you to think in your heart. Do you study God's word? Study to show thyself approved unto God. A workman's need not to be ashamed. Rightly dividing the word of truth. Command or request? Command. Command. God, go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the world. Go in the highways and hedges and compel them to come in. Go ye therefore. He tells us to, to win the lost. Are you being a soul winner? Do you win souls? Do you give the gospel? Do you plant the seed? We just went through soul winning conference. Talked about being a sower. Are you a sower? He says, give and it shall be given. Do you give to the work of the Lord? Is that a command or a request? Command. God gives us commands in Scripture. Don't he? he says, be ye holy for I am holy. Command or request? Command. Are you living holy? Obedience 
or disobedience? Obeying? Well, you don't understand, preacher. I have a lot of sacrifices in my life to obey is better than sacrifice. Obey. Do what he tells you to do. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. He's saying, hey, listen, I got a work for you to do. I got a plan for your life. I got a direction I want you to go. All it takes is a step of obedience. But we say, nah, Lord, this is my little box here. Why don't you bring your stuff into my box and then I'll do it? No, obey. Just obey. And listen, the list could go on and on and on that God gives commands. And you know what he tells us to do? To do it wholeheartedly. Obey all the way, right away, and in a happy way. Do what God tells you to do. So let me ask you this question. Are you living in obedience or disobedience? Only you know that answer. And the Holy Spirit, the God who lives inside of you. He knows the answer, and he's already told you the answer. Obey or disobey? Hold on to some things. And only get out some of it or let it all go. Obey or disobey. The choice is yours. I can't make it for you. But if you really want true revival, Faith Baptist Church, you know what it's going to take? Wholehearted obedience. Wholehearted obedience. With heads bowed, eyes closed.